Washington on 10210. Let me tell you a story as an old timer. You are the patriots of the United States of America. You will remember 10210 to tell your kids and your grandkids. When America seemed to have turned this back on justice, when bigotry and prejudice appeared to be taking over, when we saw the banks being saved but not the small businesses, that you, you turned it around on 10 to 10. Let me tell you that when I was asked to march from Selma to Montgomery, the way we begged you to march to Washington, I just went to Selma to have my picture taken. I had no idea of the significance of that 54-mile trip. I had no idea that the civil rights movement, the voting rights movement, was just waiting for America to come forward with Dr. King to turn our country around. We can do this now. The heart of America is not Wall Street. What made America great are jobs and working and dreams and aspirations, not just for us, but for our children and our children's children. People come from all over the world because they know what we got is pride, self-esteem, paying rent, paying mortgages, sending kids off to school. You take that away from America and you're taking away our heart. Good evening, America. This is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Welcome to Spotlight on Capitol Hill. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what's on your dinner table tonight. I'm not quite sure what may be on the dessert menu, but we got great things happening. And you may say this may be National Geographic because we have a legend a pioneer, they call him the Lion on Capitol Hill. We're talking about Charles, Congressman Charles Rangel will be featured on this program tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not something you want to miss. And get comfortable because we're going to the nation's capital here on AJC Radio. I'm Lamont Banks with Sam Thurman, Lisa Stewart, and Cliff Stewart. And uh, folks, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Hey, Lamont. And uh, I'm excited tonight as Spotlight Week Number Two gets underway here, and uh, we appreciate uh, you folks in America joining us tonight for this program. And uh, had an opportunity today uh, to uh, uh, interview uh, Congressman Rangel, and I'm telling you, he is doing some things in Washington, Sam, that uh, uh, is is above the bar. Uh, whatever bar may have been set, uh, he may have set that bar. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, we're looking for a good time tonight. Uh, Lisa, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good, Lamont. Okay, we're excited. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to ask you before we go there, Lisa, read our disclaimer, uh, disclaimer. Excuse me, please. Thank you. All right. We just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide legal advice. You would want to contact your personal legal advisor for your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause. And we want to thank you again, and as always, for tuning in and choosing to spend a little time with us this evening. All right, Lisa, thank you for that. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this, is, this has been one exciting day, uh, and we want to say to Congressman Rangel, 
uh, happy birthday. He turned 85 today, and wow. uh, half of his life, Sam, has been spent has been spent in public service. And doing things for the American people. I mean, it's awesome. And, and you know, when you look at his his uh, bio, and I know you're going to be sharing some of that a little bit later. That uh, yes, uh, actually, over half of his life, when you add all the time in in the military and everything sure. else, man, it's uh, it's it's a, it's an awesome story. I mean, this is uh, Congressman Rangel being a uh, a veteran, uh, Purple Heart Award recipient. Also received several awards. Uh, for I believe, Sam, if, I, if I'm on, on the right track here, uh, uh, fought, I believe, was it in the Korean War? No, it was, it uh, we'll, we'll double check. We'll double check we'll that, double ladies and gentlemen, but uh, 85 years young uh, tonight, and I, I have the privilege, uh, uh, we've been to Washington several on several occasions, and uh, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Congressman Rangel looks very well for 85 years of age, and you know what's more really fascinating, folks, is that uh, 44 years in, and he hasn't tired yet. He hasn't slowed down his fight for justice and his fight for the American people. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, that that is the part that really, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, just gets your juices for him. Because you think if he can continue in this fight for 45 years, at 85 years old, uh, he's still fighting. And you say, hey, we have to continue on with the fight. It lets us know that, you know, you you got to prep yourself to be in it for the long haul. you got to say it's time to dig in, you know, get down in the ditches, be prepared to uh, to get dirty just to, you know, dig into it, do what it takes to, to get things done, because that's what he's done. He, he has committed himself, his life, you know, his time, his dedication to say, I'm here to serve my country. And, you know, at 45 years, usually somebody's retired twice. And yeah. he's still he's still fighting strong, and you can't do anything uh, but, you know, commend him and appreciate the job that he does in Congress to continue the fight for uh, for all of us. Yes, and, and, Lamont, we did a little fact check there, and uh, Congressman Rangel, he did earn the Purple Heart and a Bronze Star for his service in the U.S. Army during the Korean War. You are correct on that one. All right. And, uh, and he led a group of soldiers out of, the de- uh, out of a deadly Chinese army encirclement. And this is uh, in 1950 that he did that. And so I know he was, he was sharing a little bit about that uh, uh, during, his, his convers- or during your conversation with him earlier this afternoon where he was talking about, you know, uh, uh, countries that are – uh, weren't industrious at one point, and and just talking about the hope for our country, and uh, he you know has a, has a lot of uh, uh, vision for uh, where we need to go. You know, absolutely, and, th- and these are folks you know that uh, you know hang on to your seats tonight because uh, you're going to actually hear uh, from Congressman Rangel on this program who took the time on his birthday to share time with AJC Radio and, and to the congressman. Thank you so very much. Happy birthday to you and, and good times and uh, happy times with you and your family this evening. Uh, we'll go uh, into current events now. There are a few things are going on in the country, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, actually on Capitol Hill, um, as we uh, are addressing issues in regards to ISIS, uh, that's the topic now, uh, Sam, Cliff, and Lisa, and and uh, it lets you know that uh, there is some direction that needs to happen. Uh, and we'll go into a story. It says here, the, the headline reads, Obama states, we don't yet have a complete strategy against ISIS. Uh, that statement alone, if you don't read any more of the story, uh, AJC, Radio, AJC Radio has some information for you. 
um, we can complete that strategy, Mr. President, uh, with the release of the IRP-6, who uh, are responsible for developing software in regards to stopping crippling ISIS. And has, if, you, if you haven't had an opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, go out to AJCRadio.com. There is a video posted there about the threat. This really is. They are a threat. Uh, and uh, when you have powers like that, Sam, uh, on the other side of the country or the world, rather, uh, you're dealing with situations. They eventually at least make an attempt to make their way to the homeland. And we've already heard in news reports um, that uh, ISIS has existing cells here in America. And lone wolves. Uh, and lone wolves here. Yeah. So, uh, folks, you can t- you know, turn your head the other way. Uh, but ISIS is a real problem. It says here, President Obama said Monday, the United States does not have a complete plan to train and equip Iraqi forces to fight the Islamic State in Iraq, saying Baghdad needs to show a greater commitment to building a fighting force. He's going into, as you've probably heard before, uh, in regards to the uh, the announcement of 500 troops going to uh, Iraq. Uh, y'all familiar with that story, I'm sure. Cliff? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I take uh, from this story and, and even the headline where, you know, the president is saying we don't yet have a complete strategy against ISIS. I mean, it com- the the headlines continue to mimic all the way from 9-11 that we didn't have what we needed then to ensure that the homeland was safe. Ten years later, the 9-11 Commission uh, 10th anniversary report comes out that we still don't have what we need to keep the homeland safe. Every time you look up, the headline is that we don't have what we need. We do not have a strategy. We don't have the correct tools. We don't have the correct software. We don't have the correct people in place that can implement any program that we do have. It continues to be the same story. And and my thing is, when you get to this point where you say we don't have what we need, then why not try why not travel down every avenue that you need? And going back to your point, Lamont, you know, you, you look at the IRP-6 software. This software was created as a task from Department of Homeland Security that tasked the IRP solutions and the IRP-6, create this software that will help us, that will, uh, uh, you know, track uh, al-Qaeda and now ISIS. And yet, where is the response to say, hey, Let's look at the software that the IRP-6 made. That, that's what continues to baffle me. You know, the president says we don't have the strategy. Uh, it's out there all over Twitter and everywhere saying try out the IRP-6 uh, software, the Silk software. Look at it and see what it'll do. We need to implement everything that we can, and the software that the IRP-6 uh, created definitely is one of those things that need to be implemented. I, th- uh, I think, Cliff, if you – I think we lose sight of – we don't lose sight of, but I think people lose sight of the fact that – and you made a good point – that uh, when the Department of Homeland Security first contacted IRP Solutions mm-hmm. and the IRP executives – and let's keep that straight – that the Department of Homeland Security contacted IRP. It was during a time right after 9-11 – when they knew that the main uh, one of the main problems that contributed to the tragedy of 9/11 was their inability to track the terrorists and the terrorist cells, right? We can't lose sight of that. That that problem existed then. The Department of Homeland Security was established at that time as a result of the tragedy of 9/11 and all the problems that came along with that. So those problems 
still have not gone away. Yet the six men who hold the key to that solution are sitting in federal prison right now. So we can't lose sight of the fact of how this whole thing even started. It started with the, with the problem of them not being able to track terrorists. Sure. That problem still exists. And Sam, on your, just to pivot off of your point, the, what's sticking out to me in this article is that they're saying that the details are not yet worked out. They don't have a finalized plan. If you don't have it in place after all these years, take a look at what you have that's right there in front of you that's been presented time and time again from the IRP6 and take a look at it and see how it can help. You need a plan? We have a plan. We have something that will help. Take a look at it. And, that, and that, Lisa, that's uh, – and, and Sam and Cliff, that, I mean, all of those are good points. That's critically important to understand – you know, we and, and I think we've habitually gotten in a situation in this country uh, where we habitually have looked the other way. Yeah. And that sometimes, you know, they'll say the answer is right there in front of you, and people just don't pay attention. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, go out to AJCRadio.com, freetheirp6.org. You can go to ajustcalls.com, and uh, is it a hyphen just calls? Or yeah, just, a, a, dash, right. a dash just calls. So if you wonder what hyphen is, folks, that's the minus sign uh, <laughs> that you uh, grew up there as subtraction. So, yeah, yeah, not the underscore. Uh, absolutely. And uh, folks, go out there and, and read up on this uh, on this IRP6 situation, the software situation. Ladies and gentlemen, we're, not, we're talking about compelling things are going on in this country right now. And it's going to take folks saying, look, let me take five, ten minutes. Uh, go to a website and take a look. You know, it does no good uh, to, to no, have answers in front of you uh, and we not stop and take the necessary time uh, to look at those issues. So that's that's critically important. And uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's – Lisa, you make the point very clear. Take a look. Stop and take a moment yeah. uh, to see what's going on here. So, folks, again, we're going to invite you to call in tonight uh, with any comments or, or any uh, questions that you might have. You can call 347-838-8976. If you are uh, online, uh, you can try to use Google Chrome uh, for best uh, results uh, to listen to this program as well. Uh, Google Chrome, uh, you can go to uh, (coughs) adcradio.com and listen to the program as well. Um, So, folks, like I say, uh, this is something, as far as current news, when you hear the president making a statement, uh, as the commander in chief, we don't we don't yet have a complete strategy against ISIS. Uh, it lets you know America is in need for help, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We offer that help tonight uh, through the IRP six six men uh, we call Patriots of the United States that uh, created that software with one thing in mind, and that is to keep the homeland safe. Now that includes your kids, our and your grandchildren. And I think, Lisa, as you said earlier, being a mother, uh, we have to plan. As parents, we plan for what may lie ahead for our children. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the children of America. Whatever you're doing tonight, folks, uh, right now it's mostly cloudy skies in Colorado Springs. Rain showers falling. But I guarantee you it will not affect the temperature in AJC Radio Studio tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Go grab your patriotic flags out the back room that you normally pull out on the fort because we got a patriot of, of uh, the Capitol Hill by the name of Congressman Charles Rangel. We're going to bring that interview up next. Hang on to your seats, folks. We're just getting started here at AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff, but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a Just Cause, where we fight for justice. You can call us toll-free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at AskGreenNo.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear that music, it means one thing. We're getting ready to pop off here at AJC Radio. And tonight we have the feature of features, Congressman Charles Rango. You can call him a lion. You can call him the dean of justice. A congressman that is making differences on Capitol Hill, but not only in his state of New York, but all around the United States. Hang on to your seats, folks. Grab some lemonade. It is summertime across the USA. And let's get ready for some good radio and interview with a man that uh, I consider to be a legend, a legacy, 44 years on Capitol Hill. And ladies and gentlemen, he hasn't got tired yet. We're going to get ready to get into that right now. Folks, thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Lamont Banks along with Sam Thurman, Lisa Stewart, and Cliff Stewart, and the AJC team. 
And folks, this is man. It feels like the Fourth of July in here, doesn't it, Sam? <laughs> it is definitely a, a patriotic moment. I mean, uh, when you listen to a uh, seasoned uh, veteran such as uh, Congressman Rangel, and he understands the inner workings on Capitol Hill, and uh, knows uh, you know when when he sets his sight on something and knows how to get it done. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just to, just to hear hear a a man of his uh, his stature and his experience talk about Congress, you know that that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, eighty five years young, and Congress, if you listen, I mean that eighty five years young. Because his motivation and his drive happened. Oh, been very, very vibrant. I mean, you know. Unbelievable. And uh, I tell you what, uh, folks, when you listen to somebody, that means somebody is in it for the long haul. And he has proven uh, his, his worth on Capitol Hill. And, again, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with the motion tonight. And, uh, folks, this is Capitol Hill, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And this happens every week on this program. We will spotlight Congress, and we're not going to uh, hold out the, the dessert uh, any further. Uh, we're going to get ready to get into the interview, folks, and uh, let's go ahead. And I had a great opportunity today uh, to interview Congressman Rangel, and I'm telling you, the man has some knowledge, some information uh, that makes you stop and say, hmm, uh, there are some things that we have to do to yeah. turn America around. So yeah. let's, let's go ahead and go to that now. Enjoy, folks. Hey, Lamont, how are you? Hello, Congressman Rangel. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I was just telling Al Sharpton that I like to talk with him. He's wishing me a happy birthday, but I had another legend on the phone who really has overcome a lot of obstacles, and I want to get back to you. Well, I appreciate so, it. You beat me to the punch to wish you a happy birthday. Uh, and happy 80. Man, you look great for 85, I'll tell you that. Well, I appreciate that. God's been good to me. Well, we had, Congressman, uh, as you know, we're doing this uh, new thing here at AJC Radio. I'm here along with Sam Thurman, uh, a colleague of mine. And Good afternoon. How are you doing, sir? Hi there. How are you? I'm doing well. Also, happy birthday to you. Thank you so much. Okay. Congressman Rangel, first of all, uh, uh, you know, as we, uh, the spotlight on Capitol Hill deals with, of course, the things that we, we thought it important at this radio station to, uh, at this program, rather, to, to, Give honor to those, the pioneers, if you will, of, of Capitol Hill, which you fit the bowl with that. As we've, you know, read your, up on your uh, history, what you've done, what you've contributed to this country is. I was sharing with someone today that, you know, spotlight on Capitol Hill when it comes to Congressman Rangel. Uh, we could do a part one, part two, probably part three and four. Uh, given 44 years, I believe that you have been uh, in public service and doing a great job, and, and it's just amazing. And just a, a couple of questions we'll ask for you, and I'll, I'll give you the floor. Um, in regards to current legislation right now that, that is on your mind and your heart, the passions uh, that you are looking to do in this Congress, uh, this new elected Congress, what are, some of those things, what are some of those things legislatively that you're looking really to push this session? Well, as you know, I've decided that this will be wrapping up my last two years, and I wanted so badly to do this because uh, President Obama, uh, this is the last of his eight years of service, and it was my hope that he would have finally realized that he could not do business uh, with the Republicans, and that we have an element in this Congress that no matter what he wants to do for the country, that they would impede him. Uh, they did it the first four years, and they haven't stopped. But 
I really had hoped uh, that he would be able to set a standard of education for all Americans uh, that could avoid some of the social ills and the racism that black folks and others face in this country. And of course, that hasn't changed. I had hoped that as we talk about trade and the improvement of the economy, that with better education and job opportunities, that the disparity between uh, those people with no jobs and no hope and no homes, those people who work hard every day and still can't make it, that in a country where the disparity between the 90% of the income going to 1% of the population, that we could break that type of thinking. I also thought that the president would realize that the United States of America cannot and should not attempt to bring peace to the Middle East when we find tribes and so-called nations that have been fighting and killing each other for over 2,000 years. And the fact that we know that the first President Bush uh, discouraged going in there, the second President Bush went in looking for weapons of mass destruction that wasn't there, but oil was there. And so right now, uh, I was hoping that the bill that we're voting on tomorrow, which is the, uh, the Trans-Pacific Trade Bill with 20 countries, uh, that the president would have included in that a protection for jobs for the working class education for the kids to follow through in high tech, and also a bill for the infrastructure of the United States since our inner cities and our cities are falling apart and you can't send those jobs overseas. Unfortunately, those things uh, haven't happened. And uh, tomorrow morning, we will watch very carefully to see how the trade bill goes. But the whole thing is that even though the Republicans are in charge, uh, the immigration bill that they refuse to bring up uh, to me is that they think that the Statue of Liberty uh, is color conscious and that if you don't come from Europe, they weren't talking about you. But the complexion and the culture of the country is changing. And today, as my birthday present, I had an extension of the African Growth and Opportunity Bill for another 15 years, another right. 10 years rather. And I feel very excited about that because it gives jobs, hopes, and trade to people on the continent. And uh, that including being able to bring down apartheid with my tax laws and low-income housing. So I've had a wonderful career, but uh, we still, in the last half of the ninth inning, two outs, and we should be really... Uh, batting toward the bleachers, and I hope the president would be doing just that before he leaves office. Okay, and uh, yeah, congratulations on that. That's a that's a huge uh, birthday present for you, and I noticed, uh, Congressman Rangel, that uh, I, I was looking at uh, some information, I guess, where you spoke at the airport workers rally, uh, I believe last year, um, and you were talking about, and you were very inspiring to me when I heard that, you were actually discussing the uh, importance of people coming together and dealing with poverty and 
and you know the things that are important in this country that the American people care about. Uh, I think that separates you from a lot of people in Congress, in my opinion. I believe there are good people there, uh, but what you have actually uh, what you have actually said uh, at that rally was very moving to me. And I think that you know from what I see, that separates you. And I go to the next question with that, and you touched on it a little bit. Uh, the state of the United States right now, given ISIS, given uh, and, you know Eric Gardner, the Michael Brown, the Walter Scott situation. Um, what would what would your thoughts be on the state of the country right now, given what has happened uh, in this country when, when you're talking about police and justice and judicial process? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, and where do we stand right now as a country in your in your opinion? Well, first of all, I don't see how we can justify our presence. In the Middle East, I don't see where we can convince people in the United States that ISIS is a threat to our national security. And quite frankly, if I'm wrong, then the president should declare war. And the Congress should hear the arguments and vote for it. Now the president wants to send another 500 men and women over there but not as combat troops. Well, they got to have guns. People be shooting after them. And this is the way you get our country sucked into another war. We've been fighting this war for over 10 years, and enough is enough. It's not just the trillions of dollars that we're losing over there, but it's actually the lives of human beings that uh, are defending America against an enemy that not you, not me, not anyone can describe what country it is, what flag they have, and even if they want to surrender, who in the hell would we be going to talking about a truce? Having said that, to think that a powerful country like this can still have poverty, to think that a country like this would have the illiteracy rates that we do, to think that a country like this would have crumbling infrastructure and that our kids can go to its public schools and less than half of them would be able to get a higher degree of education to be internationally competitive. We have come a long way from slavery. But the vestiges of racism is still in this country. And I don't believe you can change people's hearts by having more police or more especially with policemen that come in from other communities. But the one key that I am convinced that would allow us to regain our self-esteem and the ability to negotiate through racism is the tool of education. And especially in this age of technology where color is not even a factor If America would just invest as much in our school system as we prepared to invest in our criminal justice system or our penitentiary system or our jail system, we would not have to talk about the Fergusons and the Clevelands and the Baltimore because education makes everybody just be tall. And the most important thing about it It's what it makes a person feel like. When you are homeless and hopeless and jobless, there's not much that you can do with yourself. But I know 
that since I went back to school as an adult after the military, I got more self-esteem than I need because I know I can negotiate the rest of my life. And this country is no longer just a European country. And so no one is going to feel the stings of being a minority. No one, everybody's going to be a minority in this country as we find other cultures and other people and other languages come here to compete. And this truly could be a way that slavery was just a terrible part of American history and what we did to Native Americans. But we could be prepared to meet any economic challenge and that makes a difference. It makes a difference. What can you do and does the world need your talents? Well, uh, Congressman Rangel, I mean, that, that's, that's well put. Uh, and I do agree with you. I think that, uh, and I'll go into the final question with you as I, as I finish this, up, this statement. Uh, you know, there are issues, I'm sure you've heard about the, there are advocacy groups out there dealing with the, uh, they call it school, uh, prison, uh, school to prison pipeline. Uh, I think it goes to your point as far as if we would invest money as a country into education versus more prisons and penitentiaries and having the largest incarceration rate in this country. Um, I will pose this question to you. Um, how difficult, I, at one point in this country, the education was very important to a lot of people in Congress. A lot of Americans were concerned about that. And how challenging is it? to get bipartisan traction uh, with the Republican Party about issues that apparently that you say, and I believe you, are very important, that we enforce these things in order to prepare our kids and our grandchildren for the next uh, level or the next phase, if you will, of, of America. How challenging is that, and what do we do to try to fix that, or is it fixable? Of course it's fixable. Of course it is. We have to, the developing countries are moving at a higher rate, even though they start from a lower base. But of course it's possible. You take Korea, uh, 1960, when I left, 1952 when I left, there wasn't a building standing. Now they're the eighth largest trade country in the world. And, uh, and they are competitors in free trade. So the fact, education, self-esteem, an opportunity can make you do it. Now, a, a lot of people just did not see in the cities as a part of themselves. But now the criminal justice system is proving not only has it been unfair and unjust, but it's proving to be one hell of a financial burden on this country. And it's proven that imprisoning people is not a deterrent to criminal behavior. And so people are now Republican or Democrats and economists forgetting the pain and injustice and the racism that's involved are wondering why are you engaging these people, many of whom have not committed any violent crimes, and in this group do have talents that could be transformed into productive people and therefore productive citizens. And so we can just look at the facts and see now they're willing to go along with closing some prisons and many of the prisons have been left open politically because of the jobs they provided for people outside of the inner cities 
And now state legislatures realize that uh, that we shouldn't have this. Uh, technology is going to show that just because a person puts on a police uniform doesn't mean they're not ill, they're not racist, and that they don't consider all citizens the same way. And they find it so easier uh, to shoot down someone of color because they're frightened to death or don't know or just don't care. And uh, with the video cameras that we're getting, more and more people want to know whether they can afford to pay the price of racism by losing their job. And so we're, we're moving forward. But more importantly, if you take a look at the billion, over a billion people in China and the billions of people that we have in India and all over the world, you would know that our population has to really catch up to make all of our citizens productive. We can't afford locking up people. We can't afford having education drop off our kids. We cannot afford for this country is made on the dreams of the middle class, not the rich and certainly not the poor, but believing that you can make it and having the opportunity to make it. But when you find the income of a country being swollen into less than 1%, that shatters the dream of democracy, shatters the dream of the middle class, and it is the middle class that is buying the goods and keeping small businesses open. And the small businesses that 80% of the people have employment from. And so the rich can send the money overseas, but the middle class are the ones that fund the economies in our villages, in our cities, in our counties. And you can't do that without productive people. Well, oh, Congressman Rangel, uh, I mean, that's some information that uh, is very, very uh, compelling to listen to. Uh, and it's, it's definitely what, what people need to be saying, and I respect uh, your candor and being uh, direct to the point and, and, and to what you're passionate and what, what you believe. Uh, and I, I do believe what you're saying. If a person can believe and get that self-esteem up, so much more opportunity is afforded that person. Uh, but it comes with a country uh, and actually supporting that with education and, and, and those positive things that you're talking about. Out of respect for your time, Congressman, we don't want to hold you any longer. Uh, happy, happy birthday today. Uh, try not to have too much fun, eat too much bad food. Uh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. And thank you so much for the opportunity to share my views. And it used to be a time that congressmen would say that education is a local issue, should be left up to the states. Lack of education and technology is a threat to our national security and demands national attention. Have a good day. Thank you so much. Take, take care, Congressman. Have a good day, and thanks for spending some time with us today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, there you have it. Who you just listened to is who we call the Dean of Justice of the, the legacy, the life, and the passion. Uh, we're talking about Charles B. Rangel, Congressman Charles B. Rangel, war hero, history-making congressman, master lawmaker, and a founding member of the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, congressman Rangel made history as the first African-American member of Congress to lead the Powerful Ways and Means Committee, now serving his 23rd term.
term in the House of Representatives. He has been cited as the most effective lawmaker in the House, leading all of his colleagues in passing legislation. He was prime contributor to President Obama's historic health care reform law. And make no mistake about it, uh, Congressman Rangel, we salute you tonight on AJC Radio for your passion, for your service to a nation that has made progress on the, on the labor that you have done over 44 years in Congress. Ladies and gentlemen, stay by your uh, radio, uh, I'm sorry, by your internet or your telephone, uh, this program, we're just getting started. What a, what a magnificent man uh, doing some great things. Stay with us, won't you? Sit down as you may be sitting on your porch tonight looking at the stars and maybe the green grass. Join us when we come back, and this continues. The spotlight on Congressman Charles B. Rangel continues in a moment. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who is innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongly convicted of crimes that they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause, toll-free, at 1-855-529-4252. Again, 1-855-529-4252. Or visit www.a-justcause.com and click the donate button. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. A just cause is a 501c3. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Odds of becoming an astronaut, 1 in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, 1 in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, 1 in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, 1 in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator. 
one in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, one in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, one in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting, one in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, one in two men, one in three women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation. For the ones we love. For our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer. Ladies and gentlemen, you may be wondering where you're sitting tonight. Uh, what is that playing? Well, in the military term, it is called taps. Usually, represents the passing uh, of a soldier and represents death, honestly. America seems to be in a situation that... Someone would say that America's on life support right now, and what can we do and what will be done? Well, tonight we have had the opportunity tonight to talk to a legend in regards to Congressman Charles Rangel, who, in my opinion, has brought the who has brought the American spirit, was attempting to bring the American spirit back to this country. So. On one sense, you think, man, is all hope lost? I can guarantee you it's not. And as we as Americans live in a country that, at least at one point or another, uh, we did have justice. We did have things that we could look up and be proud of. Uh, on Agency Radio tonight and on Spotlight on Capitol Hill, our purpose is to do one thing, to restore hopefully through what we know is going on in Washington that there are people there, there are members there that you went to a poll on a cold November night and elected to, elected to serve public service or to do public service for the United States of America. Charles Rango is doing that and continues to do that. And uh, I'll tell you right now, folks, uh, Sam, Lisa, you've had an opportunity to kind of tune in to uh, what the congressman had to say. Uh, Sam, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, uh, one of the things that stood out to me, Lamont, was uh, Congressman Rangel. Um, he definitely has a passion for education. And when he made the comment uh, regarding the fact that uh, he, he went back to school as an adult, and, uh, you know, he said that in so many words, give me the opportunity and I can negotiate the rest of my life, you know. Right. And so, you know, uh, and making that, that, that uh, strong um uh, plea for education programs. I mean, you know, he said, you know, that uh, we need to stop locking people up and stop shutting down the schools and provide the education. Otherwise, we're going to be left behind by so many of the uh, other countries. And he, he says that education demands our attention. And without education, that becomes 
a matter of uh, of national security. So, you know, when you listen to um, Congressman Congressman Rangel and, and and talking about those types of things, and, and you know, we have a lot of uh, information here uh, regarding the different uh, bills and, and and the laws that he is either sponsoring or co-sponsoring. There's a lot of uh, things here regarding uh, the judicial system and how that needs to be reformed. Sure. It, you know, it's like, and, and you asked him the question about the, the school-to-prison pipeline, and, and you could hear it that he's saying, you know, yeah, we got to do something to fix that. Sure. And I think, uh, Sam, uh, one of the things the congressman does, uh, I'm looking at, uh, and this is, apparently has passed, if I'm not mistaken, honoring American veterans disabled for life. Um, that's he's the uh, looks like a co-sponsor of that bill that did pass, um, but the fact uh, that Congressman Rangel again is a is a veteran, absolutely. Uh, he understands the service. He understands the price uh, that's involved. And I think Sam, you heard in his voice about us sending more troops uh, to the Middle East. Uh, not too very concerned is what yeah. the, is the word I would use for that. Uh, Cliff, your thoughts on Congressman Rangel and. Uh, what impact did he have? At least in the 20 minutes of what you heard, what impact did that have on you? I think the thing that stood out most to me is, although he, you know, he represents the state of New York, is that his message wasn't just to the constituents of New York. When he spoke, he spoke to America. He spoke to the world. He spoke to America's position in the world and how we have to uh, not only be a competitor, but to also be an example to the rest of the world. I mean, when you listen to his message, yeah. it's not about, you know, hey, uh, uh, Charles Rangel and the state of New York and, and what I have going on and, and what you should do to listen to me. He's talking about what it takes to make America a great country again, what it takes to really put us in a position that the rest of the world can look on and say, you know what, America is the uh, home of the brave, the land of the free, and that we not only speak that, but that we exude that in our actions. And I think that's what stood out to me most is that sure. his message was a message to America, Absolutely. Not, not just the state of New York and, and those who, who voted him in. Well, Will said, I mean, uh, Cliff, on that, that uh, – you know, and his issues that he's dealing with, Lisa, as we sit here tonight uh, and have an opportunity to reflect on a man that uh, is honestly just trying to do something. Uh, we said uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you have to become a verb, uh, I think is what we were talking about. A noun simply sits at the beginning of something, uh, but is unable to move. If you know the rules of English, uh, Congressman Rangel is a verb. And he hasn't gotten tired yet. Eighty-five. No, he's, never, he's never ceased to continue to press forward and do what he was elected to do. He's continued to do his job in spite of, I'm sure, the many obstacles that he's faced along the way and the many people who might uh, not not agree with what he's doing. He has pressed forward and, and, and pressed on in spite of all of that. And I think that's an honorable quality for him to have just continued for all these years. I mean, that's a long time to be dealing with Congress. Uh, to be in that in that kind of position with that with the opposition that I know they sometimes face, it's got it takes a lot. It takes a strong person to be yeah. able to continue to persevere for that length of time. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you, folks. And uh, you know what? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at some of the uh, legislation Congressman Rangel has. 
You know, I'm kind of feeling a little bit American. Uh, you know, Just a little bit. Bring it on, bring it on. When, when you when you talk to somebody, Cliff, you said it best, man. This man didn't talk about New York City. He talked about America. Right. See that right. when we elect people into off, uh, excuse me, when we vote for people that get elected, I thought it's about the United States of America and the honor to be a part of the United States and America. Uh, you see here, Sam, if you go through some of your list of legislation, co-sponsor for Private Prison Information Act. What that does, uh, Congressman Rangel uh, is co-sponsor of that bill. Uh, it was introduced to the House on May 20th of this year, uh, actually to require non-federal prisons and detention facilities holding federal prisoners under a contract with the federal government to make available to the public the same information pertaining to facility operations, prisoners held in such facilities that federal prisons and detention facilities are required to make available. He's, again, trying to fix a system, and our prison system is torn back. Oh, man. So, again, it goes to his everything that he is trying to do is trying to make change and make an impactful change at that. Sam? And, you know, when you look at this, and like you say, the, the prison system, uh, when I look at this bill, it, it really reads as one that uh, fosters that, that need for accountability. We talk about accountability all the time here on the program, and when you see that the, uh, the, law the lawmakers at the highest level in the land recognize the fact that there is a gap, and we need to close that gap. I mean, we talk about the prison industrial complex, and so when you have the private prisons who are, you know, they're making a uh, hand over fist as far as money. Now they need to be able to at, at least make information available as to how are you running this, how are you running this place, and what are you doing in this facility. We need to know what you're doing. And so, you know, this type of legislation uh, hopefully uh, will get that bipartisan support that it needs, and then uh, we will have that type of legislation enacted. Okay, and the, the next thing we're looking at here. Uh, it looks like Police Training and Independent Review Act of 2015 with the 114th Congress. Uh, this goes to, again, what we said moments ago, that Congressman Rangel uh, is actually dealing with current issues right now in the country. That is the police situation, the police training. And Eric Gardner uh, died in his city. we got a clip for you right now we're going to play for you where Congressman Rangel uh, goes a little bit into his thoughts of what happened to Eric Garner. Go ahead. Believe that someone can die and nobody is indicted. It is the cancer of racial hatred in this country by a handful of people that's tolerated by most people, including good police officers. I could take the DA to the grand jury, really, and, and get an indictment of him for not reporting what his job was and how he failed so far. And there you have it, folks. Uh, uh, what, what, what the congressman go, uh, goes to speak to is that he's saying there he can, he can go to the DA and have the grand jury indict him. Mm -hmm. You know why? He said how... That's what really gripped me, Lisa, what he said moments ago when he made the statement that a man died and how then do you come back with no indictment? That's right. This goes to the heart of Congressman Rangel. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. It's not about, man, I, I want to sit in my office on Capitol Hill, order some cappuccino, and call it a day. The, the, Congressman Rangel, everything that I'm hearing, Sam, Lisa Cliff, today, 
has impacted my life in a way that I don't have the words to express. Because this is America, is what we're talking about. And you know, Lamont, he, uh, a congressman, he, he stated something that was a profound statement. And he said, there are those who want you to basically uh, believe that the Statue of Liberty is color conscious. That it only oh, wow. applies to yep. those with uh, uh, European, uh, of European descent. And so for him to make a statement like that, you know, the Statue of Liberty, they want you to believe that the Statue of Liberty is color conscious. That wow. goes to the very yeah. root of the problems that we have, ex- have uh, experienced in this nation for, you know, over a couple of hundred years. Yeah. And, and he made the, uh, the congressman made the comment that, you know, we've, we've come a long way since slavery, but that, that element of the slavery mentality still exists in a lot of people in this nation. Oh, without question. Cliff, go ahead. Yeah, and that's what makes him a, uh, you know, a great advocate for the, for the people is because, I mean, he, he, he just says, what the truth is and you have politicians that you know they they speak what's politically correct they they uh they abide by the rule of party trump's person when you get a person like congressman Rangel, he just says uh you know he's an advocate for the people and that's why the people have continued to vote him in because when he comes out and speak, it's not just jargon about, okay, here's a law, here's something that we need to put on the books, here's, you know, uh, a reason that we need to close prisons is because of the expense. No, he lays it out that, look, we have people, we have a man who died here. We have a man who was strangled to death, we caught it on camera, and there's no indictment for the murderers of, uh, of, of Eric Garner. How is that in any person... You can be a New Yorkan, you can be a Californian, you can be a Texan, you can be uh, someone from Florida. Any person looking at that understands that a man's life was taken and his family is left to grieve for him. And we all can feel that. And that is what gives Congressman Rangel his uh, his credibility is because he's not one of those congressmen that comes out and say, well, you know, the uh, the system uh, did what it was supposed to do and the people have spoken. There's no indictment that comes down. No, common sense tells you that there's something that happened there, the reason that an indictment didn't come down because anyone looking at it, I mean, these are the facts. You have a man on camera being choked to death. Right. The facts say... And the uh, the coroner's report says this is a homicide. A man was killed yep. for no particular reason. Everyone in America can see that this is a murder and, and somebody needs to be held accountable. That is the message that Congressman Wrangel uh, brings, not just the political sure. jargon that, uh, that you hear so often on Capitol Hill. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's one part of the resolution of this bill as far as uh, police uh, training and all of that. And it says here, expressing the sense of Congress that the people of the United States have the constitutional right to record law enforcement authorities and they have the full protection of the law to to the possession of the recording devices and full protection of law regarding data saved on recording devices. So these are issues here. I mean, do you hear that? He is saying that we believe, and again, Cliff and Sam, at least it goes right back to one thing. The American people, we the people. So when you start taking cameras off and saying, uh, well, you know, we want to harass you because you recorded my conduct. Mm-hmm. Well, if my conduct is above reproach. <laughs> right, exactly. Go ahead and film me, man. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Because nobody had, no police officer has a complaint, and, and uh, nobody take me wrong. I mean, we have some great police officers. We have those that are there to protect and are there to, uh, you know, to, to serve, and they do great by their community. But none of them have a problem when you say, hey, uh, Captain Chief, Commissioner, your men did a great job when they rescued that baby from a fire. Nobody argues with that point. Nobody says, well, uh, they rescued the baby from the fire because, uh, you know, of whatever reason. But when you have a police officer that does something wrong, you have to basically take the same stance and say, look, this is caught on camera. This officer is wrong. He did, he did something that's outside the realm of the process and procedure that we stand by. He did not serve his community. He did not protect his community. It needs to be dealt with in the same light. And again, we are, I, I, I understand there are police officers there who I commend, who they lay their life on the line. They save lives every day. They serve their, their community, and they protect with honor and pride. That part is given, but when you have the bad apple in the barrel, Let's get rid of that apple before the whole thing starts to stink. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, Lisa, you had a comment on something that Congressman Rangel is doing that is big, uh, big news. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks about that? Yeah, one of the things that really sticks out to me that he's working on is the Second Chance Act for, uh, for ex-offenders. And because I'm a firm believer that if a person has served their time, have, have, if they've gone, they've been in prison, they've done, they served the time that they were told they had to do, They've been released. They should have a second chance to be able to go back and have a good life. That is going. That right there would keep would would get rid of a lot of the uh, recidivism that we have in this country. With people go constantly just in a they're in like a revolving door in the system, and they come out, they go back in, they come out, and they go back in. They need a chance to be able to come out and get uh, employment, to come out and get a decent place to live, a way that they can take care of their families and do the things that. The rest of American citizens need to do, and, and the fact that he's looking, he's trying to uh, bring bring out, bring forth an act that gives them a second chance. That is something that is very near and dear to me because I think it's just it's a it's a crime to do this. I mean, granted, you have people that have uh, you've got a lot of people in prison who never did anything wrong. You have people in prison who have actually committed a crime. Either way, when you come out of prison, you should have a chance at a good life. You should have the opportunity afforded to every other American. If you served your time, done what you were supposed to do in prison, you were released, why not have a chance to come back and have a good, normal life and support your family? Oh, Lisa, a point well taken. And again, it speaks. Let me, folks, just give you a rundown, uh, a little bit of a rundown. I'm just going to name the title of the bills that Congressman Rangel is attached to in some form or another. And uh, it says here, uh, Second Chance for Ex-Offenders Act of 2011, what Lisa was talking about, Vets Act of 2015. Uh, the, uh, we have the require that overseas contingency operations be paid for, uh, and that's uh, it's the House, uh, to the House Committees on Veterans Affairs. Uh, he's dealing with uh, promoting American agriculture and medical exports to Cuba Act of 2015. Uh, I mean, Export Freedom to Cuba Act. As you know, with that, uh, relations have just reopened up, Sam, uh, with Cuba, uh, opening things up because they uh, apparently, according to the administration, have done and done uh, some things that are, have been counter, uh, well, really been productive in mending those fences with countries across the world. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, you know, that's one of those things that, uh, you know, what that, that situation with Cuba has been there for, what, 45, 50 years? 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, 
and, and you, you have a lot of loss of life from people who are trying to, uh, you know, uh, get away from Cuba. And then, you, and, you, and then it's weird. You have a pocket of folks in the United States, in Florida, uh, who are dead set against that. But uh, as far as, you know, something that would be good for trade, something that would be good for the economy, uh, it would definitely jumpstart uh, Cuba. And then who, who knows as far as how that's going to impact the economy of the United States. And so, you know, uh, Congressman Rangel, you know he's done his homework on all these things. And, and so uh, it, it's not something that uh, he is in support of without doing the due diligence and, uh, and knowing uh, the impacts that it's going to have on, uh, from a positive nature uh, on our country. No, and I think that's, uh, I mean, it's clear. And again, I read very, uh, very few of that um, uh, very few uh, bills, uh, uh, Sam and Lisa, uh, just speech- mentioning a few of them. And I'll tell you what, uh, it sounds like this man is very serious. Congressman Rangel is not talking the talk, but he is walking the walk. And I'm going to tell you something right now, ladies and gentlemen. This, this is as a result of the work that was put in at the polls. I keep saying that. And most places around the country in November... A little bit chilly, <laughs> a little bit cold. And I tell you, when you make your way out to the polls, ladies and gentlemen, tonight what you've heard in brief, we will have to have a part two or a part three dealing with this legend because, I mean, we don't probably have the paperwork or the room even at our areas to stack the paper on the accomplishments and the work that Congressman excuse me, Rangel is doing. And so if you think your vote doesn't matter, if you think that maybe you want to stay home and eat a bowl of oatmeal versus go to the polls, I got news for you. When we talk about Congress, folks, here on AJC Radio, spotlight on Capitol Hill, we're talking about one thing, and that is to educate, to bring awareness to you and information that you know that the day you went to that poll, your vote made a difference. And Congressman Rangel... We're talking about a hero of justice that resides in our nation's capital, making a difference. We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Sam Thurman, Lisa Stewart, and Cliff Stewart. We're going to be right back. And folks, right now on the East Coast, not quite bedtime yet, unless you're under the age of nine. Uh, You may be enjoying a movie, uh, may have some later in the evening plans. But I'll tell you right now, we're going to wrap up on uh, Congressman Rangel. We have a a segment coming up here in the next uh, probably 15 minutes dealing with perpetrators of justice. And uh, Sam, Lisa, Cliff, if I ever found an administer of justice, we found him today in Congressman Charles Rangel. But we're going to go to the opposite side of that, those that perpetrate and hide behind robes and sit on benches and name tags and cappuccino at 7 a.m., we're going to expose who they are. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio, where we, br- we are bringing the message of justice around the world. This is Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. 
If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Ladies and gentlemen, you have come on to HAC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight is a special night, as we have had the opportunity and the privilege to highlight a very limited view of Congressman Charles Rangel uh, from New York. And uh, we had an opportunity to speak with Congressman Rangel today, and uh, we are just reflecting on what he is doing as a pioneer. Uh, and I'd say Sam and Cliff, Lisa, an avenger of justice, an avenger of right. And uh, I'll tell you, man, I've enjoyed uh, uh, hearing him and uh uh, there's some good things going on with the congressman, uh, Sam, as we have had an opportunity to reflect today. And again, we'd run out of time if we were able to um, uh, to actually tell all that he is doing. And I'm going to um, even chime in on something a little bit uh, more than that. I, he had a situation. The congressman um, was at uh, an airport rally last year. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, he says enough to motivate you to understand uh, that we are in need of people coming together. How many times have we heard that as Americans, that we'd have to come together to bring the change, Sam? How often have we heard that? That's right. Uh, you know, the, the, the term that it takes a village uh, kind of comes to mind as far as, you know, you kind of think back to the day when, uh, you know, I had your back, you had my back, and then the, the uh, person a couple of doors down had your back as well. And so, you know, when, when you get to this... Uh, the, the society as it is today being all about me, it's a me generation and, and it's, a, it's a right now generation that uh, when, you, when you hear someone that is, and, and Cliff uh, made it so clear earlier as well, when, and, and, and you as well, Lamont, when you were talking about uh, the fact that uh, the initiatives that the congressman uh, is behind, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a national, he takes a national platform, and it's not just those things that, impact New York, well, right. but it is something that will certainly, the entire nation, uh, will benefit from. Well, I want you folks to share in, in that. Uh, we have the clip uh, where Congressman Rangel is actually rallying people. One thing about a leader and someone that's making a difference, they have the tendency to motivate others. Yes. Uh, Congressman Rangel has done that. Let's, let's go to that clip now. Cannot sit up there unless we are down here. That's right. That's right. What you are doing, you're not just doing it for 32BJ. You're doing this for powerless people throughout the United States of America. Our struggle for economic freedom may begin here, but it has to spread all over this country if we're going to survive as a country. We cannot afford to have workers be pushed into poverty after they work hard each and every day. 
We cannot have a handful of CEOs control over 99% of the wealth of the United States. America middle class must be protected for the hopes and the dreams and the aspirations for those who never made it here. I mean, you you hear that, Sam? Absolutely. I mean, it's when you can move people to take action. Yeah, that that's incredible. And he's talking about things, ladies and gentlemen of America. Make no mistake about it. Every election that is going on at this time of the country, it'll lean a lot towards economic growth. Yep. Jobs. These are things that you know. I don't need to know how I'm going to put that chicken on the on the dinner table. Uh, I need to know how I can get that gallon of milk for Johnny when he has some Fruity Pebbles or Lucky Charms uh, in the morning before going to school. Uh, folks, this, these are issues America is concerned about, and those are things we really, really have to pay attention to. And, and, and I mean, Cliff, the sense that you get from Congressman Rangel, I, what I'm fascinated with above, a lot of, above anything else, a lot of times when you're on a journey or you're in a war, the wear and tear is on you. Yes, you tend to maybe walk a little slower. Uh, may take you a little longer to get past uh, up the steps. When I saw Congressman Rangel in D.C. going to a meeting, I caught him outside of one of the meeting rooms in the Ray- Rayburn building. He was moving very quickly. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And the same uh, motivation, his energy, that, man, I'm headed to another meeting and another meeting. Why is this? Well, see... When you find a person who's driven by their passion and who who's moved by what they're doing, it doesn't matter if they're tired, doesn't matter if they're aged, doesn't matter if uh, they're in pain, doesn't matter. It, it, it just doesn't matter. The things that move them are their passion, are the things that they love. When you see a person, you see you see a body built, he might be completely exhausted. But when it's time to get that next rep in, that's all that matters wow. is that next rep. When you see that football player, that running back, when he's looking at that goal line, it doesn't matter there's five defenders holding on to so, his back. As long as his feet are under him, he'll carry them in until he gets that touchdown. It just doesn't matter. You see LeBron going up to make that play? It doesn't matter who's in the way. He will come through you, over you, right. around you, and carry you to the goal. That well, is, when you see someone who's passionate about what they're doing, like Congressman Rangel, it doesn't, it doesn't matter all the other things that, that are involved. Well, he, he, he's just, hey, I'm, I'm going after justice, and I see it's around the next corner. If I can make it around this next corner. That might be where Lady Justice can be found. Well, I tell you what, if uh, if Lady Justice had an opportunity to smile tonight, uh, I can guarantee you she would smile on Congressman Rangel. Uh, and many others we will highlight on this program. Uh, Congressman Rangel was very passionate. Um, uh, and, and if you research him, he's very, very passionate about Obamacare, they call mm-hmm. it. That's for one reason. The American people now have an opportunity. I am diabetic, type 2 diabetes. As a result of what the president did, I am alive and able to get medication that I need to get that sustains my life. I'm one of millions of American people. Let's hear what Congressman Rangel had to say about Obamacare. Healthcare is the most exciting thing that's happened for the United States of America since the Republic began. 
and it was Obama who'd done it. Now, if the health care plan proved to be as bad as the rollout, we shot crap. But as far as I'm concerned, the 50 million people that hoped, dreamed, and prayed that one day they could get insurance no matter what their status was, this is going to start to roll in. And all those people that have been afraid to stand with the president, I think, will be making a great moral mistake. Wow. I mean, I'll tell you what. This is what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. You say, what was the deal with Spotlight on Capitol Hill? You know why? It's just like you have the good, you have the people that are doing nothing, but you have the people that are fighting. And I say it again. Congressman Rangel is an example of what Capitol Hill and the government of the United States is supposed to represent. Every day when Congressman Rangel gets up and goes to that office, can you imagine, Cliff, what he has seen in 44 years? It, it, I mean, you, you imagine the people that he's seen that has passed away, the people. I mean, this is a man who was there when Martin Luther King was assassinated. This is a man who was there when Malcolm X was assassinated. This is a man who has watched several wars. Who have, who, this, this is a man who was there when Kennedy was assassinated. He, yeah. he sees all these things, all these people who went after justice. But yet his fight is still the same that, you know, hey, well, it might it might cost me my life one day, but I still must fight for justice. And those are the top of people. That's why we spotlight people like Congressman Rangel, because uh, no matter what is on the line, they put it all on the line to ensure that uh, that, you know, the fight for justice continues. And that's what it's about. That is why. um you know, you can do nothing but but admire him as a congressman, admire him for the stance that he takes for the United States of America. No, absolutely. And uh, Sam, as, as, as you know, as we look at, you don't see too many people, at least in a lifetime, uh, that come across people in the caliber of, of Congressman Rangel. You know, when I look at the uh, representative from New York, uh, Congressman Charles Rangel, from the uh, from New York's 13th district, you know, folks need to go out to his website, and that's uh, wrangle.house.gov. Okay, that's R-A-N-G-E-L wrangle.house.gov. And if you need a little motivation, go to that tab that says About Me, and, and under there it talks about accomplishments. And it, and just click on any one of these links that it talks about legislation uh, and accomplishments regarding major issues of the day that uh, Congressman Rangel have been uh, really, really uh, instrumental in. I mean, the list is, it includes economic development, housing, health care, education, veterans affairs, drugs abu- uh, drug abuse and crime prevention, election reform, foreign affairs, uh, issues regard- regarding Puerto Rico, How? Issues, issues regarding immigration, issues regarding the Dominican Republic, and and now, like you were saying earlier, as far as talking about Cuba, and then, uh, you know, the congressman was talking about the extension of the African Growth and Opportunities Bill. Which passed today. Which passed said, today. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you got this whole long list, you know, over 40 years of wow. activity. Uh, he's not stale. I mean, he, wow. he, he's not standing still. Uh, and when you look at the list and the things that you were talking about earlier, Lamont, 
uh, with all the initiatives that he has either sponsored or, or co-sponsored. You know, this is the type of person when you look at it and, and, you, and the question is asked, well, what did you do for me lately? You know, all you got to do is go out there and check it out, Lamont. And again, that's wrangle.house.gov. Wrangle.house.gov. We are certainly appreciative of the, of the congressman spending time with us this evening. Oh, absolutely, Sam. And you know what? I, you know, as Sam is reading that information, ladies and gentlemen, we're just touching the tip of what Congressman Wrangle is doing. That's right. And what he has done. To me, that is um, that's something to definitely be. Uh, admired it's some definitely man you sit back and think man how do you get up every morning with that energy at 85 because i believe what congressman wrangle has found is his purpose his purpose is to be there to make a difference congressman wrangle and to your staff out there and all the people on capitol hill that make your job what it is and i'll tell you we thank you so very much for being a patriot uh, of of justice for being someone that is about it, you know. There's a saying that they say sometimes: "Be about it." Uh, if that's not proper English, you'll have to forgive me. But I'll tell you right now: we can't talk about it. We have to be about it. And the Congressman Rangel will say it again: 85 years young. Happy birthday from AJC Radio, and it's been a pleasure tonight as we have shined the spotlight. On Congressman Wrangle and on Capitol Hill. Coming up, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you right now, it is 9.30 in New York City, 7.30 in Colorado Springs, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 6.30 in California. Well, guess what? The sun may be set in New York City or getting close to it, but I'll tell you what, we got a segment coming up dealing with what we call the perpetrators of justice. What exactly does that mean? We got a Judge Arguello with a, with a robe on that has stains all over it. And what are those stains? The stains of corruption. Uh, we also have attorneys. We're going to expose the most wanted list of perpetrators of justice that are responsible for six patriots of America who are wrongfully convicted that sit in a federal jail going on three years. Well, tonight's your night, folks. We're going to pull the cover back and expose that corruption. Ladies and gentlemen, it's right now, 9.30, I said, in New York City. Put the pot of coffee on. Get a piece of coffee cake. May not be convenient. May not be proper. Or you can grab just a piece of toast or perhaps a bologna sandwich, whatever you want to do. We'll be right back with AJC Radio as we expose the perpetrators of justice. Hang in there. We'll be right back. People are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. 
and we need your help. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Do you know what this means? Do you? It means you can voice your opinion without censorship or restraint. It means you can say nothing at all. It means you can debate, protest, question, contribute, whenever, wherever. Take it. Embrace it. Say it out loud. texting while driving significantly reduce your reaction time, but you are also 10% more likely to leave your lane. This commercial was 30 seconds. That's all it takes to avoid a senseless tragedy. A fire police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Graham footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. You can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and they're aware there's stuff that's right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice and making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along. Violence is not just violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear the music playing perpetrators of justice that we will expose tonight. I'm Lamont Banks. Welcome back to the program. And uh, ladies and gentlemen of America, we have a most wanted list of folks out there that are responsible for the IRP-6. Sam, name the IRP-6 for us, would you? The IRP-6 are David Banks, Dave Zapolo, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper and Gary Walker. Well, I'll tell you what, these folks were put in prison wrongfully by the acts and the actions of corrupted judges, prosecutors, FBI agents, attorneys that have lost their way of integrity. If they ever had it, that remains to be seen. Lisa, as we shine the light on perpetrators of justice, can you tell us who makes the list? Pretty extensive list there, Lamont. We've got we're starting with John Walsh. He's the state's attorney for Colorado. Mr. Walsh said in his, said in his office and refused to listen to or pay any attention to the evidence that was presented to him that would exonerate the IRP six. 
he disregarded it 100% and allowed his underlings, if you will, Matthew Kirsch and Sunita Hazra, to go ahead and prosecute these people, knowing full well that these men were innocent of any crime. Okay, so basically what he did was, on his watch, uh, not only did he break the law, but he influenced those under him to be violators of law. Is that correct? Right. He allowed it because Matthew Kirsch and Sunita Hazra, I think, had their own agenda. And he supported that agenda and, and went along with it. Okay, so actually, uh, what's his name, Mr. Walsh? John Walsh. Mr. Walsh, yeah, I don't understand. Uh, perhaps you've uh, uh, lost uh, something along the way as far as being a man, because what you've done is violate the law, and you, in, you influence those that were, who looked up to you to be an example, which makes you a hypocrite, a liar, and a crook. There it is. Wear that tonight as you lay down in your bed tonight. Lisa, who else is it? Sam, you had a comment on that? Yeah, I, I was just going to say when uh, Lisa was commenting about the fact that information was presented, which would have exonerated or, or actually prevented uh, charges even being brought against the IRP-6. When the IRP-6 pre prepared a proper, you know, prepared documents basically to explain, here's what we did, here's the way we conducted business, there was nothing fraudulent. There was no intent. And we'll talk about the intent part when we get to the judge. But, you know, there was no intent to do anything wrong. We were just conducting business. And I was just looking at, you know, they were charged with mail and wire fraud, right? Right. And so when you look at the definition of mail and wire fraud, it talks about, you know, uh, devising a scheme to, uh, to basically do wrong, you know, to get, get some financial benefit from someone else. And you're using the Postal Service and the... And the wire service and, and that um, type of thing, you know, there was when you, when you read some of the things that's in the in the uh, search warrant, all the IRP six were doing they were conducting business to say that because you faxed something from your office to another office and it went over a telephone line using the fax that constituted fraud. Are you kidding me? And that's insanity, ladies and gentlemen. If that is the truth. Uh, we got a lot of folks in the United States that are committing mail fraud and wire fraud. On if, a daily basis. If you have a postage stamp and if you have a phone line, uh, perhaps you are a criminal according to these, uh, uh, well. Well, the minute that someone tells a bill collector on the phone that I'm going to pay you and they knew that they didn't have any intention of paying them, you know, that, that constitutes fraud, I would well, think. That's unbelievable. Lisa, who else makes the list? We've got Attorney Greg Goldberg who actually hand-delivered, to ensure that he would not be charged with uh, mail or wire fraud, <laughs> hand-delivered uh, some documents to attorney to the uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, telling him specifically, this is what we believe these men are guilty of, and this is what you need to charge them with. Wait a minute. Uh, back up. Rewind whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have a non uh, worker of the state is that, did I hear a, that right? A non-federal employee, so, a, a former federal. Employee. So we have a civilian that is going to whose office? Matthew Kirsch. Matthew Kirsch. A USA. Uh, you're telling me you took advice from a civilian to bring charges against six black men? I mean, five black men and one white Italian. If that doesn't sound like racial profiling, I don't know what it is. Uh, so we got you're taking the advice from a civilian on who to charge. And, and what what exactly to charge them with? Uh, sir, where what law school did you go to? If you're listening, probably none. The law school of idiots is what I call it. I'm going to bet Lamont he got his law degree from Sears and Roebuck. 
All right. Well, you know, no disservice to Sears and Roebuck, uh, <laughs> uh, but we'll tell you right now that uh, that's unacceptable. Lisa, who else is on that list? We've got Susan Holland. Susan Holland was uh, an executive at a staffing firm okay. who decided that she was who made a, a threat via email that she was she had friends in the federal government, and when uh, DKH was unable to pay a debt that they owed. She threatened him and let him know that she was going to bring him down. She was going to bring down his company. She was going to ruin his name. Wow. And she also told him she wanted to take his cars from him Okay, so as a result of this. Now, my understanding is there's been probably a couple of Christmas parties, maybe some barbecues outside Judge Aguayo's house maybe with this lady. There are ties to Holland and Hart. Is that correct? Absolutely. All right. Uh, if that doesn't stink of a uh, conspiracy and uh, if it smells bad enough, I promise you the stench is real. Uh, with Judge Arguello and Holland and Hart. Lisa, who else is on there? Well, just, as you just mentioned, Judge Arguello, Christine Arguello, corrupt federal judge who presided over this case and ensured that these men did not receive a fair trial, ensured that they were not able to present the evidence that they needed to present to exonerate themselves, ensured that the prosecution had every advantage and they were given every disadvantage. Wow. Uh, doesn't sound like a... Uh, Lady Cliff, as you read last week, that it had, that took the oath of office. Uh, quote from the movie Clearing Present Danger, as uh, the gentleman, uh, uh, high-ranking federal government, was dying on his bed, and Harrison Ford came in. Harrison Ford came in and said, "What do we do?" Uh, he was sick, and he said, "You took an oath. Uh, you took an oath." He said, "That's all that matters is that you took an oath." Ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Cliff. Uh, what happened to the oath that was taken by this judge? Well, when you look at it, I mean, the the oath that was thrown out of the window. I mean, uh, you, the even, all the things that happened with Judge Arguello. I mean, outside of the oath that that she, you know, flushed down the toilet with everything else, uh, she violated the Fifth Amendment right of the IRP six by telling them, "Hey, if one of you guys don't take the stand, I'm going to close your case." And then when they question her on this, they look, you violate our Fifth Amendment right. We want that in uh, writing. We want that piece of the transcript. Her response was, I know there was something that I did say that's not in the transcript. Bottom line, you're not getting those words. All right, well. And, and you, you look at, and even when she was asked to recuse herself as a judge because she has the uh, – the connection to Holland and Hart with Greg Goldberg, Susan Holland, and all the rest of these people, she refused to even uh, recuse herself. Now, there is part of the judge's creed that says that if there's an implication of impropriety mm -hmm. uh, and there's an implication that the, pub that the public's trust uh, you know, will not be withheld, that you as a judge should step down. This is far more than an implication. You worked at the same law firm as a partner with this Greg Goldberg who uh, hand-delivered this information to to uh, to Matthew Kirsch. Now, if, if that is not an impropriety, I don't know what is. How do you as a judge say that you uh, upheld the oath of a judge when you're doing things like that, but hey, she's just right. one in a she's she's one in a list of many so, like a piggy bank. So we have a judge, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't get the name right, perhaps you were taking the coffee cake out the oven, got a little sidetracked. That's Christine Judge, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, who 
believes to be an thinks she's an honorable judge, but I can tell you there's no way she sleeps well at night. Uh, and the RP6 are just the beginning and probably not the first folks that she has done wrong. Sam? Yeah, Lamont, you know, and, and to add what Cliff was saying, and, and I threw the word out there a little bit earlier talking about intent. And she refused to allow the IRP6 to even talk about the intent during the trial. And, and, and then the other thing, too, is that after the fact, there were so many inconsistencies that uh, we can observe in the IRP case. But uh, certain things that she blatantly attacked the IRP6 about, she presided over other business cases mm. in the state of Colorado and where she said, one, one particularly, uh, where she told the executives of, uh, of that company that, oh, it's totally okay for you to oh. talk positively about your company. There's nothing wrong with you building your company up. And, and, uh, and people, people lost, investors lost millions of dollars in, in those situations. Wow. In IRP6 case, she said, oh, no, you were uh, being uh, over overly exuberant about your company and you are building your company up uh, more than you should have. Well, she's apparently paint maybe a little thick in the apartment or in the house <laughs> where she's at, perhaps having some issues on the brain. Lisa, who else is on the list? We've got several other judges, Lamont, who need to take off those black robes. Right. We've got Jerome Holmes, mm-hmm. Bobby Baldock, and Harris Hart, who are the three appellate judges who sat on the panel uh, for the, the appeal for the IRP6 who totally disregarded the fact that these gentlemen's Fifth Amendment right had been violated, their transcript was missing, they disregarded it, and, and decided to affirm the conviction that had been put out. Okay, Lisa, name the first name. Jerome Holmes. Mr. Holmes, you're a coward. Next. Bobby Baldock. <laughs> uh, Mr. Bob, what, what did you say his name was? You're a coward. Next. Harris Hart. And Mr. Hart, you're a coward as you sit in your office. And act like you're an administrator of justice, you're a perpetrator, and you're a fraud. And you don't deserve the role that you have on your back. Lisa, who else is on the list? We've got Judge Schaefer, who signed off on the search on the warrant for them to come and raid IRP Solutions when there, were, there, was, not an, there was no evidence to, to show that there was any wrongdoing. He signed off on this, on this search warrant anyway and allowed the FBI to raid this business without any just cause. All right, now you know what that is. Uh, he signed a piece of paper. If you sign a piece of paper knowingly uh, with the intent to mislead, that's fraud. Yeah, I think he should be going to jail. All right. You? So, Mr. What's his name? Judge Schaefer. Judge Schaefer, you actually committed fraud. So the next time you open your mouth in your courtroom in regards to somebody that you are trying to sentence to fraud, uh, you may want to walk out the courtroom and not be the hypocrite that you are. Next, Lisa. Uh, last judge on my list is Judge Jackson. Judge Jackson presided over the civil the civil case that was brought against court reporter Darlene Martinez, who's also next on my list. Darlene Martinez failed to return over the full and un- and complete transcript for the trial when the, the IRP six were requesting it to prove that the judge had violated their Fifth Amendment right, along with several other rights that she had violated. Okay. Judge Jackson uh, presided over that case and and stated in open court that hey, you guys, I know you would like me to use the law to find some way to dismiss this case so that no one finds out what's going on here. But I'm not going to do that. Then he turns around, and what does he do? He dismisses the case. And he also told the prosecutor there in the, uh, in the, in the hearing that if Darlene Martinez, this, this court reporter, if she was in my courtroom right now, I would put her under oath, put her on the stand, and make her tell me 
where the rest of the transcript is, why she did not record it, why there are words that the judge said that are not in the transcript. How he then goes be, goes back on that and says, okay, now I'm throwing it out on some technicality. Uh, he lost some of his man parts along the way as well. I, I don't doubt that one bit. And uh, starting to wonder whether those parts ever existed uh, as we get going here. Uh, Lisa, who else? We've got a couple of FBI agents, Agent John Smith and Agent Robert Moen. Okay. Now, my understanding is that these folks... Uh, uh, in my opinion, from what you said the other night, Lisa, uh, definitely demonstrated obstruction of justice. Uh, one of the FBI agents actually interfered. Is that cor- no? I'm sorry. That he was one of the FBI agents was supposed to be served uh, a subpoena to appear. Right. That and, was that was Agent Mullen. Okay. And who who blocked that? Another, uh, uh, two other FBI. Yeah, agents. other FBI. Agents. All right. Keeping it in the family. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which I, I mean, when you talk about obstruction of justice. And uh, this thing is supposed to be about executing justice Absolutely. from the standpoint of you are innocent until proven guilty is, is what we always hear. But we know that that is not the case, right? Absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, when you look at this situation, and, and like Lisa was talking about, uh, Agent uh, uh, Smith, earlier, mm-hmm. uh, to put together a search warrant affidavit and uh, to present it to a judge, to get that judge to sign off for you to go in and raid a business when you know that that business well, is legit? Well, I'll tell you straight up. Uh, I guarantee you if one of us is at someone's home uh, and saying you're not going to serve a subpoena that's been issued by a judge, uh, I guarantee you within 30 seconds we'll be getting we'll be on our back possibly facing eight warning shots in the uh, back more than uh, that. for interfering uh, with something like that. That's uncomprehendable. Uh, but it's again, those agents should not even be working for the agency of the FBI. But of course, they don't have a stellar reputation anyway. Next, Lisa. Yeah, we've got uh, former federal agents uh, John Epke and Gary Hillberry, who uh, basically had spoken, had done affidavits for John, Agent John Smith, who let out this investigation, this manhunt or witch hunt, as, it, as, as if you will, against the IRP six, and they. Affirmed that F, that IRP six was a, I mean that IRP Solutions was a valid company doing a valid job making valid software, and then he Agent Smith still proceeded to try to pursue these men and have them locked up without without any without any without any evidence to do so, and uh, agent the former former agents John Efkin Gary Hillberry lied through their teeth and came into the courtroom and lied as hard as anybody can lie and said that none of this was the case. Then beyond that we have six. Uh, CJA attorneys that were assigned to the IRP-6. We have Thomas Goodread, we have Clifford Barnard, Thomas Richard, Robert Berger, Mitchell Baker, and Boston Stanton Jr. These six CJA attorneys were assigned to the IRP-6, did absolutely nothing for these men for their case, in their case. They came in, they told them that they needed to plead, and they didn't, they didn't look at discovery, they didn't, look, they didn't interview a witness, they did absolutely nothing a year into this into this case. Wow. And at that point, shortly thereafter, the IRP-6 fired every last one of them and with good cause. Well justified. Next, Lisa, who else? We've got our last two on my list. We've got uh, Mark Garagos. All right. I said it the other night. Uh, I called him Hollywood Slick. We'll call him Slick Willie, uh, who stole over $100,000 from the IRP-6 families in a Just Cause organization, yes. uh, perhaps to get his toupee fixed if he has one, 
perhaps to buy another suit or maybe uh, lie to attain another client. I don't know what he's doing with the money, but he robbed a family and just caused a startup organization for justice, an advocacy group, nonprofit, $100,000, ladies and gentlemen. And never did announce a word. Well, and you know, uh, Lamont, uh, as we talked the other evening, uh, uh, Mr. Garagos also, he, he, as far as his uh, attitude toward his clients, it's the, the worst that you would ever see ever displayed. And, and, and I point directly, I mean, you know, we've talked many times about the fact that how he cursed me out and so forth. Okay, I can deal with that. But when it comes to him making a mockery of the children, which he did do. Sure. You know, when he talked about you, well, you guys are trying to use the the uh, the, the children to try and make uh, you know, in so many words, put me on a guilt trip. And but the way he talked about it, I mean, wow. you know, we've talked about uh, you know a couple of the kids having some health issues and so forth, health issues that were triggered after their dads have gone through this horrendous uh, situation. And sure. for you as an attorney to take $100,000 from these families and, and their friends and family and everyone who came together to, to pull this together and then do nothing, basically take the attitude that, hey, I deserve this. Wow. And Sam, don't give him the honor of calling him Mr. His no I thought about that right yeah. after. I thought about that right <laughs> after I said it. Well, I know uh, Mr. Garrett wants to understand from the research team has a restaurant of some kind and perhaps needed an investment to open up another one, and he took the money off the hardworking backs. Of Americans, and he—I mean—to go to Sam's point, to try to say that you know you got uh, you're trying to use the children of these families for this reason or that reason. No, we're trying to get you to do something for the hundred thousand dollars cash that you uh, that oh. you collected. Uh, you know, you get a hundred thousand dollars. There's a there. You're expected to do something, not make one phone call, uh, not scream, not cuss somebody out. That's not what we're looking for from you as an attorney. You are supposed to be representing justice. You're supposed to be fighting for someone's justice. Well, that's what we were looking for. Well, this man may, may as well have had a ski mask and a gun. Well, that's what he is. He's a criminal, ladies and gentlemen. You may see him, Mark Garagos, on CNN as an analyst. Uh, whatever channel that is, whatever TV network you got, you'll see him on there smiling and talking about criminal justice. And he is a perpetrator of justice. He is a fraud. He is a thief. Again, that's Mark Garagos out of the sunny state of California who is a robber and a thief and should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law uh, for what he's done. Lisa, who else is on there? Last one on my list, but certainly not least, is Rick Cornfield, another right. another crooked attorney. Well, re represented LaWanna Clark or pretended to represent LaWanna Clark, who was uh, a prelude to the IRP 6 case. And he did absolutely nothing for her case. He refused to do the things that he could have done that would have, pre that would have prevented her from being found guilty of any crime since she was not guilty of any crime. He had the option of getting the video surveillance from a bank where they said she had uh, made a transaction that she never made. He had the option of bringing in a handwriting expert to prove that she did not do this bank transaction that she, they claimed that she, that she had done. Sure. All of these options were available to him. He did none of them. He sat back and he handed her over to the crooked prosecutor, Matthew Kirsch, and allowed him to put her in prison for six months for doing absolutely nothing. You know what, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and Lisa, I presume, I presume that's the final list of crooks 
that we've finished up with today? That's it. All right. Do you have that? Okay, Lisa, I want you to read the list straight down. Ladies and gentlemen, what you will hear now is uh, a PG warning, parental guidance suggested, because these are the most wanted, corrupt criminals of justice, I believe, on the planet. Lisa, read them. Yes. John Walsh, Matthew Kirsch, Sunita Hazra, Greg Goldberg, Susan Holland, Christine Arguello, Jerome Holmes, Bobby Balda, Harris Hart, Judge Jackson, Judge Schaefer, Darlene Martinez, Agent John Smith, Agent Robert Mullen, former, former agent John Epke, and former agent Gary Hillberry, Thomas Goodread, Clifford Barnard, Thomas Richard, Robert Berger, Mitchell Baker, Boston Stanton Jr., Mark Garagos, and Rick Cornfield. Wow. And these are the no good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, that's who this list of people are. Right and the, look, that's what you got. Ladies and gentlemen of America, we have come to an end of another episode, if you will, of Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Well, we have had the privilege tonight of recognizing Congressman, the Honorable Congressman Charles B. Rangel, a pioneer, a legend, they call him the Lion, on Capitol Hill that is getting things done. Uh, to uh, our Congressman, Congressman Rangel, thank you so much for joining us and uh, giving, uh, taking a few time, a few moments rather of your time with us. Happy birthday, happy 85th birthday to Congressman Rangel. Sam? Again, uh, if you'd like more information about Congressman Rangel, go to wrangle.house.gov. Again, that's wrangle.house.gov. We'd also like to invite you to go out to freetheirp6.org for more information about the IRP6. And then for more information about A Just Cause, go to www.a-justcause.com. And then for archives of our weekly broadcast, go to ajcradio.com or live365.com. Join us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time for the Progressive Radio Network. Get there by going to prn.fm. And then you can go to the405.com for on-demand programming, as well as to iTunes for on-demand programming. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. All right. Clip. All right. I want to say thank you to everybody in the control room. We got Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson helping out. Ill skills girl in the control room. They got two interns in there. They're coming up to speed. We're talking about the Honeycomb Kids, the children of J&J Golden. They're coming up to speed, getting, uh, figuring out how to do things back there. They're ensuring that they're helping out the control team to make sure you hear what it is we have to say. To our production support team, they give us accurate and up-to-date information so we can pass that on to you. I want to say thank you again to Congressman Charles Rangel. It is our pleasure to have you as our spotlight on Capitol Hill to the truth. <laughs> we know you out there. We appreciate it. Lisa? I want to say a quick thank you to uh, Olivia and Miss Barbara for the work that you're doing behind the scenes and helping to make sure that our that our show goes on goes off without a hitch, except when we can't remember what we're supposed to say. Everything goes smoothly. Okay, oh, you can't remember what you're supposed to say. <laughs> How about GoFundMe? <laughs> Let's do GoFundMe. We want you to go out to GoFundMe.com. Everyone who's able, who has a computer, a smartphone, whatever you have, go out to GoFundMe.com. Do a search on IRP6. There's a link out there where you can click on and you can make a donation directly to these families that have been left without their head of household that are in need of whatever support you're able to offer. 
And ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it, that the, we look on our news stations, we see criminals, murderers, getting support from the American people. And I would ask that you not be part of that number. These are folks who have been given a blow, if you will, a major blow of injustice. And these kids need your help. But we're going to ask you to please go to GoFundMe. And I ask you to make a donation if it was your own children. Because then, ladies and gentlemen, here in America, we are, we are Americans and we are one family. We need to come together and make some changes uh, on that. So, uh, again, folks, uh, this is the Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Join us every Thursday uh, for Spotlight on Capitol Hill, where we will give you an opportunity to actually hear uh, the legislation, uh, current legislation being done by congressmen, senators on Capitol Hill, and shining them and their legislation in a positive light. We think that's important right now. Sam? I was just going to remind uh, and, and uh, our listeners, Lamont, uh, the uh, piece that we have out there on our websites uh, regarding the ISIS crisis. And, uh, and so, it, you know, I know that, that that's something that's very powerful that we've gotten a lot of good feedback sure. on. And uh, as far as the threat to our families and threat to our children and grandchildren, folks need to definitely go out there and take a look at that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it, as you've wrapped up tonight, right now it is actually 10 o'clock on the East Coast, and uh, I'm sure the kitchen's cleaned up, the bed is turned back, and little Johnny and little Susie is probably sleeping and having dreams on their head. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, I can guarantee you one thing for certain, America's children are at risk, and they stand in the crossfire of ISIS. Go to AJCRadio.com or JustCalls.com and FreelyRP6.org. I'll guarantee you right now it'll make you lose your sleep at night and it'll make you go in there and check on those children. For one reason, America is at risk. And the RP6, Gary Walker, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zerpolo, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius and Harper. Demetrius Harper hold the answer to stop ISIS. If that means something to you, I guarantee you. Go to the website and check it out. America stands in the crossfire of ISIS. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Lamont Banks for Sam Thurman, Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and the AJC team. Thank you for joining us, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Sleep tight, America. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good night. Let me tell you a story as an old-timer. You are the patriots of the United States of America. You will remember 10 to 10 to tell your kids and your grandkids when America seemed to have turned us back on justice, when bigotry and prejudice appeared to be taking over, when we saw the banks being saved but not the small businesses, that you, you turned it around on 10 to 10. Let me tell you that when I was asked to march from Selma to Montgomery, the way we begged you to march to Washington, I just went to Selma to have my picture taken. I had no idea of the significance of that 54-mile trip. I had no idea that the civil rights movement, the voting rights movement, was just waiting for America to come forward with Dr. King to turn our country around. We can do this now. The heart of America is not Wall Street. 
What made America great are jobs and working and dreams and aspirations, not just for us, but for our children and our children's children. People come from all over the world because they know what we got is pride, self-esteem, paying rent, paying mortgages, sending kids off to school. You take that away from America and you're taking away our heart.